Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 317. My name is Brando, and we welcome back, although this might as well be your first time on the show, David Roach, because... 2018, we might as well have been riding dinosaurs. That was just so long ago, a different world. But still, welcome back to the show, David Roach. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. <laughs> David Roach from Junkyard. And if you follow on social media, I posted actually a highlight. It was way back in episode 88. So if you heard me say it's, you know, it's been... Uh, you said 317. It was 316. This is, I'm glad you're asking. That's going to tie in well to this conversation. David Plastic. He's a photographer. I'm a nerd. I don't know anything. Oh, okay. Well, David Plastic. Well, I'll poke fun at him. Oh, Plastic. Yeah. The photographer. The photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Great you know. photographer. Yeah, exactly. All right. You you know. Uh, so what David and I did, we were on, we did a Zoom interview, and he was showing all these old, his, his classic Guns N' Roses photographs. And of course, mm-hmm. among those, and we that's part of the, the highlight clip, if, if fans want to go to you know our YouTube page. Uh, I put it up there where you're talking about Axl Rose wearing a junkyard T-shirt and it's on stage, you know, and, and uh, you kind of get started that by saying, thanks, Axl. You know, you had no idea, you know, it would just turn out to be, we would still be talking about it all these years later. I don't know if that rings a bell because, again, 2018. So you know who's also worn junkyard T-shirts in the past? Slash, right? Looking Slash, Axl, um, some guy from Three Doors Down and uh, some boy band singer or something. Um, a bunch of people wore Junkyard shirts in the past. All right, I got to find out with the boy band. Did you know if it was like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? This is important information. <laughs> I don't know how important it is, but uh, I don't know one of them. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I, you know what? It's, it's kind of funny you're tapping into this now. Because it's, I think it was a topic of conversation lately, and I can't believe uh, I'm saying this person's name on this podcast. But Courtney Kardashian was wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt, and I just tweeted, "What do you think her favorite Guns N' Roses song is?" And people were like, uh, "You know, Free Bird or uh, Every Rose Has Its Thorn." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she doesn't know the band, uh, but obviously, yeah. people who wear junkyard shirts are just OG rockers who know who you are. So how do you? All these years later, how does that, I guess, make you feel whether you see, you know, uh, a boy bander wearing it or someone like me who still likes to reminisce about the days of Axel wearing it at the classic uh, Perkins Palace show or whatever shows he wore it at? Well, look, you know, it's an honor that Axel wore our shirt and um, I wish our shirts could be sold in, um, in one of those stores on the street like um, – a hot topic or something, okay. something like that, you know, and, and be, you know, like, you know, I want, I, I'd like our, uh, image to be one of those shirts you see 
like the Ramones or something, you know, where you just instantly identify yeah. the 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 logo, whether you know us or not. You know, it's an honor. I totally know what you're talking about. Like the branding. There was another because my fiance watches a lot of uh, Bravo TV, so I claim this is the only reason I know this. But there was some uh, Real Housewife that was wearing a Metallica shirt, and and I think Andy Cohen was like, "Oh, Metallica, what's your favorite song?" And she had no idea it was a band. She no, goes, you couldn't name one. She I mean, didn't know it was a band, it, it, let alone name a song. It's like Motorhead. I mean, name one song that you know from Motorhead. I know, other than Ace of Spades, maybe. And, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, or, you know the Ramones too. You know, sedated or whatever. You know, it's all good. Well, that's why good to be in that, you know, group. And junkyard is a, a brandable name, anyway. So let's, we got to get. And I see all over your Facebook and on Twitter. Your, you know, your shirts are selling out. So, uh, are you, I'm assuming you're going to have more shirts to sell out on the road. And I appreciate you giving me time before you hit the road. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to give you the time, and um, I'm happy to sell any shirts we have. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm actually kind of bummed because you're going to Chicago, and I'm I'm actually going to Chicago later this month. So I'm just missing you, but you're in a lot of places where my listeners are. Chicago, you're going to be going to Texas, Ohio, you know. So as I was listening, you know, kind of a, a side conversation. Uh, to the listener that cause David and I were just kind of chatting before the interview and I don't expect people who I interviewed to remember me. You know, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, Alice Cooper or, I mean, you do so many interviews also. So I, I'm just not that important. I'm not a, I'm not an, uh, a Howard Stern. You're, you're, you don't sell yourself short. Well, you're important. I'm you five, know, I'm, I'm five, and, six. Well, I, but I, I know what you're saying. I, 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 I get you. But the point being like, I don't, I don't blame you for that. So I actually, I had to go back and re- re-listen to the interview. So I wasn't asking the same questions and 2018, you know, pre COVID, uh, Omricon, uh, Jamiroquai, whatever's coming next. You were ready to go out on tour, and I'm just so grateful. I think fans are grateful that you're going out on tour. So what are your thoughts, I guess, hitting the road in this, you know, in this climate uh, right now? Are you excited, or do you let the world, the news get to you, or are you just ready to rock? I'm very excited, and um, uh, this will disappoint some fans, but I'm double vaccinated and boosted. Not, I'm not disappointed at all. I'm double vaxxed. My uh, not boosted yet. My girlfriend is boosted, but I mean, I, I, Here, here's the thing with me is like I just want to go on tour, and I don't want to be have a problem at the at the gate at the airport or anything. I just want to be fully, you know. I put so many things in my body over the years, from heroin to crack to cheap vodka that I'm not afraid of a vaccine. You know what? I feel that needs to be, that's the quote I'm taking out of this podcast because that's what I feel. (laughs) The amount of things that people put into their body, whether it's just these four loco or fast food. I mean, these are things, again, this is not a political, you know, issue and we don't need to go down this road. This is rock and roll podcast for the most part, but it's, there's a crossover like the Foo Fighters canceled their, tour date, the new tour date in Minnesota because of Vax protocol. So, I mean, these are, and in Guns N' Roses, as this is a GNR podcast, probably the only band to successfully really get through it because of their strict protocols. I get it. And I think people, I just want to say people need to understand that it doesn't mean you're immune, but it's going to protect you. 
And again, these are the rules in place to protect all of us. And protect other people. And protect other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm glad to hear that. Wow, just uh, <laughs> itself. I can't get over. I've done crap. Bad religion also had to cancel some shows. Yeah, um, and you know it, it's happened. And this is a real thing that's going on internationally, and right. it's just easier for me to to accommodate and to be a part of the solution, not having the problem. Thank you, David. I mean, I that's 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 very. I appreciate that as a fan and just as a person, I think you're, you're setting the right message. And so with your, you know, your new music and your new music video, was there any restraints that, uh, with that, the, uh, the lifer video, right? Yes. So was there any, cause that was only, it came out only a few months ago. So it's still pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Um, any restraints making, it was a straight up rock and roll video in a club and it was any difficulties or was that a fun video shoot? Yeah, we just did it in my drummer's uh, mom's um, garage. Okay. (laughs) And she supplied sandwiches and (laughs) (laughs) beer. And uh, yeah, it was totally fun. I mean, everything we do is family-oriented and always very comfortable. I, wow! Did, was there any orange slices there, or any? Um, <laughs> no, I don't remember orange slices, but uh, everything else was there. Oh man, I love that because just like the title of the song says, "Lifer," and what we spent a lot of time talking about. And, and the fans want to go back and listen to episode eighty-eight. And also, at the time, I I invited on a listener of the podcast, which I do often. You know, fans of yours, uh, Miss Metal. Um, was uh, the co-host of that podcast. So actually, let me not forget some of your fans um, that, that commented about you coming on. So this is from Scott Goodwin at a West Virginia. He said, we lived the best generation of music. Nobody will tell stories like this ever again. I could die happy. It's when people sweated rock and roll and lived rock and roll. Thank you, Junkyard Blues motherfucker. So that's that leads to lifer. That just leads to you just doing what you've always done, playing in a garage rock and roll and going out on the road, right? Yeah, and it means a lot. And, and I can tell you a story about that song if you want to hear it. I, I do. Well, when we were writing it, we hadn't had a title yet. We just had the music and the lyrics, and it wasn't complete, but... Uh, a guy I grew up with, Jason McMaster, who's seen for uh, Dangerous Toys. Um, if you're familiar with them, yeah, yeah, for sure. He, um, my guitar player, and my old guitar player Brian Baker, who plays with um, Bad Religion now. They said uh, Jason's name came up, and they said, "How's Jason doing?" And, uh, my guitar player Tim said, uh, "You know, you know, Jason. He's a he's a lifer, which means he only knows one thing, like 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 we do. Mm. You know, he only knows rock and roll. He only knows he's a lifer. Yeah, it, it means he he does it because he's the only thing he knows, and that's how I feel. You can't fake that, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier on, and." And now, you know, I'll see younger bands. Look, I say younger bands. 
Look, David, I'm not going to lie. I'm, 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 I th- well, I'm 38. I'm 38. Everyone's younger than us. I know. Yeah, but I'm younger than you, so you're going to laugh when I say younger band as a 38-year-old. But you know, while you're I'm, a punk kid. <laughs> I got gray hairs on my beard. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> I just doubt that. <laughs> but, you know, I see, you know, younger bands coming up, and if there's a pop punk revolution, and I, I just kind of look at them, and I'm like, you're not a lifer yet. You haven't lived the life to be a real rock and roller like machine gun Kelly or, you know, these people that are supposedly the faces of rock and roll. And I'm like, no, the face of rock and roll is David Roach. You gotta, I saw, I don't know if you feel that way or if that even is even on your radar. Like you're just focused on what you're doing. I I don't think about it that much. I, I know how I live and where I live. And, um, I live in a shed mm. and, um, I pay 400 bucks a month. And I work on the property I live on and I swing a hammer. And when I'm lucky enough, I get on tour and I get to play in front of people. And that's all. I mean, to me, that's what rock and roll is. It's you, you do whatever you can to, to be able to incorporate that into your life and, and be able to do that. You know, it's a gift. It's a luxury and it's awesome. It is a, a gift because you've been doing it for so long and you mentioned all the things that you put into your body and you're here doing it. And I think that's just the ultimate victory that you're still doing what you're you're loving. And you say, you know, you say shed. And I wanted to bring up, uh, he's a friend of the show. He did uh, uh, an interview earlier this year with uh, Chuck Shoot, And it made some news, you know, you talked that you were living in a garage. And I, I don't know, do you? Is that people's business, do you think? Because wherever you live is where you live. It doesn't matter as long as you're happy and healthy. You know, do people look, should people look at that a certain way? Should people feel that a certain way about that? Or just say, you know, David's just like, I guess, how do you feel well, without me answering? Well, well I, I, I think that there is a misconception about um, being in a rock and roll band, like people um, assume that you have money and you you know, you have a nice car and you live well and have lots of hot chicks and all that. And it's not the truth. The truth is you do it because you love it and you don't know what else to do. And sometimes women come around, sometimes money comes around sometimes, but most of the time you're just living your life and, and, and doing the only thing you know that you love. Do you think, um, because obviously you've been – that's why I, I will say that I'm not a youngin' yet because I do remember life before the internet. I do. So <laughs> do you uh, – it, it wasn't much. It was a part of my life. You know, I do I do remember. Uh, so how do you feel about – I guess about social media? Do you think that's changed how people perceive rock stardom, that they don't know about the blood, sweat, and tears, that they just see what's available to them on, on Instagram, not all the hard work behind it? Look uh, – look. I get asked a lot about what to tell young musicians getting into the business now. And I don't know what to say because the internet and and social media and everything has changed the game in so many ways. And big labels like I was on with, in, in, with Geffen records, you know, that, that whole thing has changed dramatically. And I don't know what to tell people anymore. I don't know how to tell young kids that want to play rock and roll how to 
you know, get noticed or, you know, get, you know, I, I, I lived in a magical time in the late eighties in Los Angeles when, you know, it was available. And if, if you had any balls, if you had any, anything to offer, then you might get a deal. And that happened to us, and we were lucky for that. And I, you know, thank God for that. But um, these days, I have no idea what to tell young people. I don't even know if young people still want to play rock and roll. You know, it takes time. It takes time to learn how to play guitar. It takes time how to learn drums. You know, we live in a world where instant gratification is uh, is something important to young kids. You know, if they don't get you know, if they can't learn how to play a lead within an hour, then they're on to the next thing. Mm. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it takes a lot more than that. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Uh, I, I got this question from a listener of yours. This is from uh, Ken Begora from uh, Eastport, mm. uh, Long Island. I saw Junkyard a few years ago with Circus of Power and Warrior Soul. Uh, out of the three frontmen, mm. David Roach had the most stage presence by far. Uh, between so many bands on the strip in the 80s and the way record labels, as we're talking about it, were investing in talent, did you pick up any of your stage presence from other singers or did you work with a choreographer of some time? So I guess he's asking about, you know, where did you learn your stage presence from? I think stage presence is a natural fact. Hmm. It, it, it just comes. Um, you don't learn it. You Well, you, do, you learn it as you go along. You learn... I mean, first of all, let me say, I you know, I used to throw up every time I played. Mm. Like like right before I went on stage, I would have to throw up because I was so nervous. Wow. But then it became more natural, and um, and I'm not like it's like taking on a um, ulterior um, personality. You know, mm. it's like you are who you are, but then when you get on stage, you become somebody else. You 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 puke and then you get out there and you give everybody everything you have. That's so, it really is so relatable. Like I, I can't explain. I, I don't know. Have I ever thrown up before a radio show? I've definitely sweated and I know I, I've, you know what? I'm not going to go gross with it. I have gone to the bathroom with stomach problems out of nervousness. before the radio. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely happened. So, very relatable. <laughs> uh, even if it, but it's yeah. just, it's it's a natural reaction to just being thrown out there and knowing that you have to compel people. Yeah, with your with your songs, with your music, with your presentation, it just comes naturally over, over time. So let's go back in time, though. Not now when you're you're a professional, and we'll talk about the upcoming gigs uh, more so, but. Last time we didn't talk about we can go I guess in depth too much with the the Perkins Palace show if what you can remember of 1987 for one was that the show that Fred Corey filled in for Stephen Adler was that that show you- No Steve Adler I think you're talking about Pasadena when we opened for Guns N' Roses Yes that's what, yes it was a it was a three night stint in Pasadena and Jet Boy and I think Ellie Guns maybe, and us uh, representatively um, open for them. 
Okay. I don't know. I'm looking at this weird, I'm looking at this site that's mentioned uh, December 26, 87. Again, I have to go back in time. I was, see, this is what the young part comes in. In 1987, I was, I was four. So I, I'm sorry I couldn't attend the, the show. You were born in 1987? I was born in 1983. So I was four in 1987. So I was, uh, I know, in 1983. God, I'm talking to a kid. <laughs> You're making me feel better. <laughs> Because again, I'm you know I'm looking at my gray hairs, my you know my my I'm bald, you know it's. But so thank you, I, I appreciate it, David. Uh, I hope I well, hope so. I'm not, so like yeah, go ahead. so now you know that your hair is growing in different places, like out of your ears yes. and your nose that you never, <laughs> but not so much on the top of your head. Yes, see, I'm in that part of my life, David. So you know I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm not a complete season veteran. Welcome. <laughs> So let's go back though to the days, the the good old days when we had full heads up. Well, you have a nice head of hair still. Uh, what do you, I guess, remember of those shows? Because I don't think, again, we don't we didn't go too much into detail other than uh, the t-shirt wearing. Was there anything specific? Um, like, did you watch GNR side stage? Were you gone by that time? Were you partying? Like, what, what do you remember of the, of GNR's performance? Uh, well, I always partied, and I still do. And but, but I mean. What what I think about a lot is that the fact that um, there were so many good bands, and when I was coming up in um, Hollywood in the late '80s, and there were so many good bands, and they will never be heard. They'll never be heard of. Can you mention some and, of those bands? Um, mention some of those. Yeah. Oh shit, man! The Miracle Workers, the Hangmen, the Nymphs. The um, I mean, I I mean, I, I there's a myth about '80s hair metal that you know it all happened on the the Sunset Strip, and it it didn't happen there. It happened in East LA, where bands like Guns N' Roses and uh, Jane's Addiction and bands like that came from. Cause we didn't play the strip because you had to pay to play and we didn't buy into that. We thought it was wrong. We'd rather get paid nothing or get paid a 12 pack of beer or get paid 20 bucks or whatever, just for the, just to be able to play, you know, bands on the sunset strip had to pay. They had to buy tickets and sell them to their aunts or their uncles or their sisters, their brothers, their friends we never went that route, and a lot of bands didn't do that. A lot of great bands. You know, I think that's something that at least I, I'm not going to say other people don't think about often, but I, I, I don't think about that often, about the pay to play and how that, that does box people out. And that, that is difficult even now, you know, obviously. That's, that's a big deal. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, super important. So, I'm, um, you know, if there's any other bands that, you know, as we, you know, round out this uh, interview that gets popped into your head that feeling that need to be mentioned, uh, please do so. Bands that only lasted a short while. Um, so I had some good friends of mine that are mostly dead now. Um, Pirates of Venus and um, the Sea Hags and um, God, I mean, there was just a lot of talent around there then. That that didn't get noticed or didn't get uh, the respect they deserve. Well, I I think you're. That's why I'm glad you're still doing it. That you're not one of the bands that were forgotten. That you were able to make music in 
you know, the recent, recently, that's uh, what was it, uh, 2016, 17? What was your last uh, full length? 17, yeah. Yeah, 17. So, I mean, that's... Because yeah, they don't have enough sense to do anything <laughs> different. <laughs> well, I mean, again, if you go to your social media, it's uh, your fans are clamoring for you. So, what are you looking forward to most? I really look forward to what I have in front of me. You know, um, we have nine shows starting tomorrow. And uh, I'm looking forward to all of them. Um, I'll tell you a little story about Chicago. Because as we're playing tomorrow night, I, I got this guy walked up to me. He was an old punk rocker, and he he came up to me after the show and he said, "Yeah, I thought you guys were just a stupid hair metal band, and I'm old school punk rock, and but you guys kicked ass." And I was like, "Wow, thanks, appreciate that." And also, a Chicago cop came up to me and gave me his card. And say, if you ever get in any trouble in Chicago, here's my card. I'll get you out of any situation you ever get into. And then we played in Oakland a few months later, and a Hell's Angel gave me a card and said, if you ever get in any trouble in Oakland or San Francisco, here's my card. I'll get you out of anything you're in. And, and I mean, the, you know, coming from a cop and a Hell's Angel and a old school punk rocker telling me that we rock means the world to me. But yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I I like that we were able to reach that many different variables of uh, people that all feel the same way. They just like to see something authentic and real and that they got, you know, the money they paid for walking in the door uh, was worth it. So, what can fans expect this time around? So, you're going to be in Chicago, uh, Ohio. You're doing a couple of dates in Indy, uh, Nashville, a bunch of dates in in, uh, in Texas. You know, what, what are we in store for? You can expect the same thing they get every time. You know, um, everybody in my band leaves everything on stage every night. You know, blood, sweat, and tears every fucking night. And I don't know what else to give people, but everything you got. You really have, and it's and, well. I was going to say it, it's admirable because we were talking about you know you just kind of said it in jokingly, and I, I I laughed at it. But all the things that you've been through and where you are now mm-hmm. is is something mm-hmm. to admire. And I just um, commemorated my sixth year without alcohol, and that was very it was very difficult. Six, thank you. Uh, difficult. It's like an, a daily thing, and that's not to say I'm not perfect. But and the reason why. I, I tell people this, and it's not so much, and I appreciate all, all the listeners that were like, congratulations, thank you so much. It does mean a lot. But when you look at people like you and Stephen Adler and Doug McKagan and Slash and, and so many others you know, that are fortunate. I know so many of your friends you, you've lost, and I've lost friends to addiction and, and family members, but there are, there are uh, you know, survival stories. You know, there, there are the redemption stories. So I think – not just in rock and roll, but as a person, you can be looked at as like a redemption story that you're fighting through this. You're not giving up. I, 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 I can't speak to redemption at this point because I still struggle with everything, but I can tell you something about Steven Adler and well, let's start with him. He's the 
most decent human being I've ever, well, not I've ever met, but he is a good guy and he dealt with it, you know? And so this last, you know, and, um, and we all try our best every day to, you know, become better people, but we are who we are and we're kind of animals of a different nature. So we do what we can to, to make ourselves better and try to, keep on keeping on you know yeah and as where you know we're rooting for, for we root for them we're rooting for you and you know no one is is perfect i uh i guess now i could say it because i don't want to be um you know a hypocrite because it's legal in new york i can legally buy marijuana in new york uh <laughs> that's i heard the term uh california sober i don't know if that's really counts. But I mean, I, I see a therapist. I, I'm on medication. I'm doing what I got to do. I got to st- keep stuff in moderation. I tell my fiance, mm. if you know what I do gets in the way of us, tell me, I don't let it affect my work. So there's, we all, but still I want to get for me personally, I want to get to a point where I feel like I could be better. So I, I feel that you're striving for it, even though maybe that's not where you are right now. So I don't know if this is conversation. Uh, I couldn't help but think about it, you know, mental health and, uh, you know, where you are and where you're doing. And, and I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm proud of you, David Roach. I guess, I think it's just real. Well, cool look, 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 where, where I came from, you know, coming up, rock and roll was about being able to live your life and do whatever you wanted and, and drink too much and smoke too much mm-hmm. and, 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 and do all the things that are just really not well for you. But but it just seemed like the um, thing to do because that's that's what my heroes did. Yeah, I mean I mean you ask me about my favorite singers, Bon Scott, you know, yeah. Otis Redding, guys like that. You know they he he drank himself to death. So did Hank Williams. So did you know a lot of people because that was just the way it was. Yeah. Or, and 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 it's hard to shake off, and it's hard to you know to differentiate yourself from the heroes that you that inspired you coming up and making you want to sing or play rock and roll in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, again, I, I'm glad, uh, you know, it kind of turned it back to positive, not just that you're around, but you're around rocking and kicking ass. And, you know, I know these uh, dates are kind of in the Midwest kind of, but are you, do you expect to add to these uh, in the new year? You know, while I see you out here on the East Coast? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why we're not. I'm not the manager. I don't, <laughs> I'm not the, you know, there's a lot of things I want to do that I'm not able to do because I don't make all the decisions. But, uh, yeah, definitely the East Coast. We always do well there. Philadelphia, New England, you know, all those areas are, uh, have always been kind to us. And I, I hope to be there again soon. Awesome. So for those, again, I got listeners uh, everywhere and, you know, I've, I've, I'm lucky to have met as I did some traveling over the summer, you know, Chicago, uh, Lakewood, Ohio, a couple of dates in Indy, which includes a half acoustic set, um, Nashville, Little Rock, Austin, which I had my first um, visit prior to the pandemic when I went to Austin City Limits. What a beautiful city that is. Um, Eagle, mm-hmm. Eagle Pass, Fort Worth. And if you guys don't know, go to uh, their their social media, the website Junkyard Blues, B L O O Z E. I like uh, the creatively uh, spelt, 
in uh, Junkyard Hollywood on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, new rock and roll video out, uh, Rock and Roll Lifer, which is out. And it's also available on a single in 7-inch, uh, in if you would like that as well. Anything I'm missing? I know you're not the manager, but is there anything that I'm uh, I'm missing that I didn't plug appropriately? No, you covered it at all, but tell people <laughs> this. You don't have to buy a meet-and-greet ticket to yeah. meet me. You know, I'm a, I'm out on the uh, I'm out on the street. I'm at the bar. I'm wherever. You come up to me and say, "Hey, introduce yourself," and I will talk to you. I'm not one of those guys that puts themselves above other people and thinks I can't talk to them or they can't talk to me. I'm available, and I like to share stories and I like to talk to people. Thank you, and that's why I'm I'm, I'm glad to, to have you on again. You know, it's again both of us. I I know I remember I interviewed David Roach because that's just like a a name you remember. But I had to go back and really listen to the content. Uh, but going, <laughs> I I I needed to a refresher to catch up with you. And I'm glad to hear that you are what I consider you're doing well. You're doing well, and um, you know I can't wait till you eventually announce some New York dates so I can, you know, meet you in person, come up to you and uh, have a meet and greet in person. Uh, and we will have that conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you so and, much. You know, yeah. we're, you know, like it's it's easier to be kind of fans. I mean, they're the people that you know by the T-shirts, they buy the tickets. They're there because they they want to see you, and to give them a minute of my time is so easy, and it's so fucked up for guys who don't feel like or feel like that they're too important to to meet people and talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not that way. I mean, I, I remember when I was a kid. You know, rock stars were unapproachable, and I always looked up at him and went, how can I get there? I don't know how to do that. How can I do that? Hmm. But I found out a way and I did. So it, it's, it's, it's nice. I like to be able to be available to everyone. It's appreciated. It definitely is. You know, I'm sure I speak on behalf of all of the, uh, the junkyard crew, if we could call them, the junkyard dogs, but I don't know. Maybe that's the few in the proud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need, my man. Uh, David, thank you so much. You know, best of luck on the road. And again, I can't wait to see you when you're, you know, in my neck of the woods. Thank you. And since I will probably forget, just, you know, rattle my cage, <laughs> grab got- my shoulder and say, hey, I'm that guy. And uh, <laughs> we will talk. Okay. That guy. You got it. You got it. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you. David's a good dude. And I want one of those uh, junkyard t-shirts, but. I got to be real about it. I got to go to a show and get one. I don't want to just order one. I want to be a real junkyard dog or, or no, I don't know. I'm not going to say that again. I want to, I want to buy it at a show, but here's uh, the transition to how you could buy t-shirts online that you can't get at a show because, well, they're my shirts and I don't play shows. <laughs> That's a terrible segue, uh, but I got to thank G from Iowa's life and uh, TNK studio. Uh, you may have, you may remember him. He was my special fan uh, co-host with the interview with Rick Richards. He did the Izzy Stradlin documentary, Dustin Bones, which you have not – if you have not watched that on YouTube yet, do yourself a favor and reserve some time and, and check out his fan-made documentary about Izzy Stradlin. I mean it's, it's, it's so well done, and we did a whole episode about it. But anyway, uh, so you also may know that uh, G did the, the logo – 
for this podcast. Not the old school one was done by um, an Australian artist, and forgive me, I don't remember his his name. Yeah, Ian found him, but uh, I mean, G. I think as a thank you for the for me interviewing him and helping promote the, the his Izzy documentary, made me this awesome new logo, the one that I use to this day. So if you don't know, you can buy that as a T-shirt, as a hoodie, on a mug. Just go to redbubble.com, redbubble.com, and uh, that's where more of my merch is now available, uh, thanks to, to G from, from Scotland, who helped me. He helped me digitize. I had this idea to put up the <laughs> Axel's mugshots, you know, back to back to back, side by side by side, I guess I should say. So there's a T-shirt of Axel's mugshots, uh, three of them, with a small font of Appetite for Distortion underneath. I don't want to you know, ruin an awesome t-shirt with my branding, but I got to have a, a little branding in there. Uh, so that is available now on Redbubble. Also, what is a re- uh, available? You can buy, it's a, a pretty tied up themed shirt, which I think is uh, his idea, G's idea, pretty cool, where it has a kind of like a, a mask, a masquerade mask with lips, and it says Madison Avenue, or Melrose Avenue, excuse me, Melrose Avenue. I, I'm too much New, New Yorker on the brain. Melrose Avenue, just like that famous picture with Guns N' Roses um, and in the same street font when they're standing on Melrose Avenue. And also, uh, this was also G's idea. This is an interesting shirt if you don't know the reference, but I know you will. If you recall, which I know you do, the You Could Be Mine music video uh, with Arnold and the Terminator and when Guns N' Roses are coming out of the, the show... And you see the Terminator going up to all of them and doing his Terminator assessment with a red eye. And he gets on W. Axel Rose and, and the target. And it says Waste of Ammo. Well, the target and Waste of Ammo you cannot now have as, as a T-shirt if you would like. So, again, go to redbubble.com and just type in Appetite for Distortion. I got a, you know, a store on there. And he's actually also working on G, that is, from Scotland a Double Talk and Jive-themed T-shirt. And again, these could be put on mugs, uh, hoodies, hats, stickers, magnets. You know, uh, if you have other suggestions, Redbubble's pretty like, easy. I don't, they do everything. I don't want to ship it. I'm sorry. I don't want to package it. On, I, I'm lazy. I'm lazy AF, as the kids say. So they do everything. It's quality stuff. You know, it would be nice if it was like a simpler, you know, website kind of thing. But just type in Redbubble. Or just hit me up on social and I'll send you links if you really want a shirt or something like that. And the other thing I encourage you to do, because if you buy these shirts, you know, it supports the podcast. It gets the name out there. And, you know, it, it gives people like me who I like. Maybe I'm the, I'm the junkyard of the podcast world. You know, I've been doing radio for 20 years. I'm not, I'm, I've struggled with addiction. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not big time, but I got my small fan base. It helps support, right? And uh, the money will also go to G who's just, he did that Izzy documentary. He wasn't paid for it. He's, that's not his job, really. It's so, it just kind of gives back. So if you find the Izzy documentary and you like it, that's like what YouTube does, uh, money, you know, pennies on the dollar or whatever. So uh, with that, uh, subscribe to my YouTube as well, if you, if you wouldn't mind. I've been putting a lot of, not just like this episode, if you're watching it on YouTube, uh, while this was a phone interview, I, I'll put up pictures and stuff. But you can, and that's again where all the you can watch any of the, like especially the Zoom interviews, they're all on, on YouTube if you want to do more than just listen to it. But I've been putting a lot of interview clips 
so as I mentioned, I put up the interview clip with uh, with Junkyard on there. So if you want to hear David from episode 88 talking about Axl Rose wearing the Junkyard shirt and, and what he thinks about it, that's on the, the AFD interview clips section of my YouTube page. And same thing with uh, Sherry Curry, Sheree Curry, rather, talking about recording a Velvet Revolver song for her new album, uh, her latest album, Laura Jane Grace, uh, talking about when she meant Slash and talking about the Against Me album, against uh, uh, reinventing Axl Rose. Um, I have a lot of, I mean, amazing. Miles Kennedy talking about the rock star movie. I'm putting up clips every day, at least one clip every day. It was just short, shareable uh, YouTube you know, highlights of this podcast, of the 317 episodes. So again, just uh, support me, what I do, this little uh, GNR-themed podcast. Hit like, hit subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's appreciated. Again, check out those t-shirts. Let me know what you think. I want to get some feedback from you. I will tell you this as far as uh, what is to come on the podcast. Uh, another repeat guest, another guest I doubt remembers me, but that's okay. Frank Bello from Anthrax. Last time we had him on was in studio and was with uh, Dave Elfson of, uh, of Megadeth. And his life has certainly changed <laughs> since that interview. But this is going to be uh, with Frank. And, and talking about his new book and, of course, GNR and stuff. And then we're going to get in uh, the two brothers from the band Lit. They have a new podcast also, which centered, I mean, you, you would think like Guns N' Roses, like how can you do such a hyper-local, you know, hyper-focused uh, podcast about one band? Well, they did a podcast about one song. <laughs> My Own Worst Enemy, they did like a, a podcast, a series, limited podcast, and we were talking about that. And man, those guys have been around since the late '80s, so they probably have GNR stories that you wouldn't think of. I mean, when I think of lit, I think of my high school, you know, late '90s. But no, uh, they've been around. The Popoff Brothers have been around for quite some time. So look forward to that as well in the near future. And I don't want to announce it yet because this is just like one of the. Uh, there's two big guests. If I get them, they would be on at the same time because they're promoting the same thing. Uh and I'm now I'm just waiting to hear back. It seems like it's going to happen. But one of these names I thought I would never get. They're not Guns N' Roses people. Well, actually, I'll leave it at that. One of them may have been in there for, well, I don't, I don't know if that counts. You like these conversations I have in my head? mid <laughs> I just didn't want to spoil it. <laughs> if it happens, if it happens. And again, the best way to find out uh, who it is. When the next episode is going to happen is to follow on social media. I'm probably the most active on Twitter at the AFD podcast. And you know what? I'll, I'll end here. Um, I'll give you a little update for those who only listen to the podcast that don't follow on social media uh, about the, the book with Doug Goldstein. Still working on it, uh, obviously. Uh, Doug and I, we still, I feel we've gotten a lot done. There's still more stories to record. However, as far as what we have recorded, I have over 130 pages done. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's that's like the core, and we're going to expand on a lot of that. So that's like 130 pages of just kind of like he tells these – he's a great natural storyteller. But when it comes to a book, I know we're going to go in there. We're going to expand upon things, and we're going to set the scene, and it's just like, Wow. 
we have over 130 pages of just like him riffing, you know, and I had to go in there and clean it all up and make it legible and, um, and, and connect things and, and put things together. If he talks about one thing in one area and another, another area. And so it's, it's, um, it's a lot of work. It's still a lot of work ahead of us, but I just wanted to keep you updated because I think that's a, that's a cool thing. Like I do, I give you a behind the scenes of the podcast because I know people get a kick out of it uh, behind the scenes of a radio or podcast. Same thing with writing. You know, uh, I know you're not with me right now at my laptop, but there's just so many cool stories, man. They're going to come out. I mean, would you have ever guessed from Doug Goldstein, the former manager of Guns N' Roses, that there would be stories about Limp Bizkit, Eminem, Exhibit, Dr. Dre? I mean, there are stories about them in there. Not just the GNR stuff is interesting. I mean, his whole life is. So um, I, we'll see. Maybe next year at some point. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm crossing. This is, it's going to happen. It's going to happen because it's going to be big. So until then, when will you get the next update? about the book uh, when will you get the next uh, update as far as the next episode is concerned who will the next guest be yeah I know I told you Frank Bello and Lit but when are you going to hear them in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy you'll see it I don't know as soon as the word no! No! Yeah! thanks to the lame ass security I'm going home